Now, an Irish Israeli citizen is missing after Hamas militants launched that surprise attack on Israel on Sunday. The missing of the mother of missing 22 year old Kim Damty is uh, from Portley. She spoke to ABC yesterday. Kim didn't realise that there was like seven or eight Toyota vans full of terrorists and they just shot everywhere. They just shot them, slaughtered them like ducks. And that's the reason I'm here. Because I want the world to condemn this behaviour. I didn't bring my children up to hate anybody. You can't sleep. All I can think about is where she is, if she's suffering, if she's still alive. I just want her back. And that's absolutely heartbreaking to listen to. Uh, Thomas Conway is with me in studio. We always have a chat about global politics on a Monday, but we can't avoid... Uh, what happened over the weekend? Because it was monumental, really. Wasn't it was it? monumental, it was, and her, her words there bring it home. I mean, the, on a human level. On yeah. a human yeah. level, yeah. Uh, the depth of this, the depth of despair that she's in, and I presume many Israelis are in and Palestinians at this point. It was a monumental event over the weekend. I couldn't believe it when I woke up on Saturday morning when I saw yes. uh, when I saw what was being reported. Uh, the, the thing is, the, the thing I can't, I can consistently can't believe is that it, the Israeli intelligence services fail to detect this sort of attack. And everybody's incredulous about that because of the sophistication and, you know, the track record of intelligence. Precisely. And we have to, we have to put this, I mean, in context here. The Israeli intelligence services are among the best in the world. Behind the US and the Russians, they're right up there at the top list. Yes. Uh, they would have surveilled uh, Hamas and... Uh, and militant organisations throughout that region yes. for years and years and done a relatively good job. Now, and how they fail to see this coming? And I, just I know you'll talk to us in more detail about that in just a moment, but just for clarity, because sometimes people are confused about this part of the world and all that's going on there. Hamas, who and what are Hamas? Well, example? chiefly, it should be said, they are a terrorist organisation and have been branded as such by, by the US, by the UK, by the EU. All the major Western powers have branded it a terrorist organisation. But if we strip, the, strip it back to its essentials, to its core. It is a Palestinian militant group which operates in the Gaza Strip. It's been in control of the Gaza Strip since around 2007, 2008, uh, been controlling uh, the population there. It's frequently clashed with the Israeli government, uh, so it has frequent frequent military incursions, uh, nothing of this scale ever before. Uh, but certainly tensions have always been high between the Israelis and Hamas, this organisation. So one could say they're not representative of the, the entire population of the Palestinians. They're a militant wing, but they also have a political arm. They're an extremely dangerous group, as we've seen over the weekend, you know, to... Yes. Uh, you know, with with the devastation they've wreaked upon Israel, uh, but they're an extremely serious. They're serious. They have serious military assets at their disposal. And I suppose the pity is that many of us who would have had great sympathy for Palestine over the years and what's been happening to the Palestinian people, Hamas are not the Palestinian people. It's, no. It's important to point that it, out. It should be it? said they're not yeah. representative of, I would say, a majority of Palestinians. Yeah. You heard. You heard uh, the woman speaking there. She raised her daughter. She didn't raise her daughter to hate anyone. And I'm yeah. sure that's the same for many Israelis and yes. Palestinians, that they completely condemn the violence between, between their two countries. And the Gaza Strip, Thomas, will you just indicate to us what, what exactly we're talking yeah. about there? So it's a strip of land, 41 kilometres long, 10 kilometres wide, home to about 2.3 million people. So it is one of the highest 
population densities in the world. Essentially, it's an enclave of Palestinian uh, of the Palestinian population. It's sheltered in between, squeezed in between Israel to its east uh, and Egypt to its to its southwest. So it's bordering both countries. It's been in control by Hamas since 2007. Uh, they control the. They're essentially the government of the Gaza Strip. Uh, it's been blockaded, however, by Israel. Israel has only allowed limited supplies of food and aid to get in there. It's estimated that uh, about 80% of the population of Gaza depends on international aid, and about 1 million people there rely on daily food aid. So the situation there is nothing short of desperate. Uh, it's a really difficult situation for those on the ground. And of course, it's being exacerbated now because we have retaliatory airstrikes by Israel, inevitable in the circumstances, but will lead to a lot of loss of civilian life there. And you'd wonder, and I'm careful about saying this, but you'd wonder whether that retaliation is proportionate, you see, and yeah. will it be proportionate? And, and that is the danger. I mean, I think... Most people would acknowledge that Israel has the right to defend itself. A lot of EU leaders have came out and said that. A lot of world leaders, Joe Biden amongst them. The thing is, will this response be proportionate and could it escalate things seriously further? I mean, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister here, he's in an invidious position. His country is effectively at war, as he has said. Uh, he's at the head of government now. He has to be seen to act and there will be mm. demands from the Israeli public to act uh, violently to, to really lash out at the Palestinians, uh, at Hamas, at the groups. The big danger, of course, is that other people are taking this opportunity because of the hatred of Israel. And this could turn into something really colossal. Yeah, and there's a broader dynamic to this. You have the Iranians supporting, uh, supporting Hamas. They're on the side of the Hamas. You have Hezbollah, a Lebanese militant group, who are also on the side of mm. Hamas. And, and in fact, they attacked over the weekend. As they well. attacked, they, they launched a smaller incursion over yeah. the weekend uh, as well. So they're all operating there behind the scenes. And this is we talk, when we talk about proxy wars in the Middle East, this is precisely what we're talking about. Uh, you know, one group operating with the backing of another, with the backing of a country such as Iran. Israel is on the verge of securing a, a historic peace deal with Saudi Arabia. That, I would imagine, will be cast to one side now as a result of these events, uh, as a result of the severity. And the country is in for, as Netanyahu said, a long and attritional war. I would imagine that's the way, that's the passage that it's going to flow in. Uh, that's the direction that the war is going to go in now. Uh, it remains to be seen what Israeli uh, military will do as part of their response. But, I mean, you can be sure... It will, it will involve battering and bruising the, the Hamas forces and the Palestinian forces to the, um, to the nth degree. The fact that Hamas, though, have taken hostages, yeah. that's, that's going to be interesting in, in terms of how, how Israel deals with with. Them. I assume the tactic behind that was prisoner swaps. So I would assume uh, the reason for taking hostages is that so they have something to demand on their side in exchange for... Hamas militants being returned to uh, to the Gaza Strip because inevitably the Israeli military, like let's be honest about this, the Israeli military are powerful. They are, I think, the most amongst the most powerful military forces in the world. They should get on top of this fairly quickly, despite the monumental intelligence failure. Once they do, there will be a demand from Hamas to 
return certain troops uh, in exchange for hostages, that is where the hostages will become useful. And I hate talking about humans in this kind of way, uh, but that is just the reality of the situation there on the ground. It's a really dangerous, it's a really precarious situation at this point. uh, And I think it's very hard to predict which way it will go. It's a tipping point for the Middle East in general. I mean, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the Middle East and its its monumental potential, its potential to kind of make its way past the violence of times past and breathe new life into its uh, into its citizens and into its countries. This is a step backwards. It's a step backwards for the region. It's a step backwards for Israel and Palestine. And uh, it is going to have serious repercussions across the region and across the world, I think. So in terms of what could happen next, then, if we take worst-case scenario on, on this then, Thomas, we're talking about huge escalation, I guess. We're talking about huge escalation. And look, Israel sees the potential for a war that could open up on on multiple fronts here. A worst-case scenario is that it could draw in Hezbollah properly into the fight. We mentioned it there. They have uh, launched a tenuous, tenuous attempt uh, to strike Israel. If it draws them into the fully-fledged fighting, that will exacerbate the war. The Israeli military has has ordered a massive reinforcement of troops, as well as intense air raids and Gaza, it is indicated it is planning a ground operation there. Now, that bit is crucial. Will the Israelis actually march into Palestinian territory? Because that's huge, isn't that it? That is huge. That's that is a major escalation yeah. on, the part of the Pal- on the part of the Israelis. And it's something Netanyahu has resisted over the years. And Netanyahu, let's remind, let's remind ourselves, is in charge of a right-wing government here. He would be seen as quite hawkish in terms of his strategy towards the Palestinians, in terms of his strategy towards Gaza and Hamas. But he is all always resisted the urge uh, to launch a, a, a military incursion into Gaza territory. There's a lot of finger pointing then at Biden's um, uh, administration as well because I think they just recently given billions to to the Palestinians and indeed to Iran as well. Yeah, indeed. And, and the Biden administration has kind of stepped back a little bit from the Middle East since coming into power. They've had their sights on China. They're, having, they're, they're looking at the bigger picture here at the moment. But certainly now this is going to open up a whole new kind of worms. Uh, We had President Biden coming out unequivocally over the weekend in his condemnation of the the invasion, of uh, the Hamas invasion. Uh, But it would be very interesting to see the White House's next moves in this scenario. It needs to play a careful balancing act. It can't afford to escalate the situation further, but it must be seen as an ally, a key ally to Israel, because it is one of Israel's key allies, even if it has kind of deviated from that in recent in recent months, it is a prime ally of Israel. Has been consistently down the years. It's propped the country up, uh, down right down through the decades, and it will have to show steadfast support at this point in time. I mean, this is going to be happening in parallel to all that's happening in Ukraine, for instance, as well. I mean, is there, is there any correlation there? Is there is there anything where Russia is concerned? Well, it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? You have two two kind of wars of, of a similar, a slightly broadly similar nature. There is occupation on both sides. Uh, the proxy of America on both sides. The proxy well. of America on both sides. Russia, as far as I know, is not aligned with the Palestinians. It has kind of kept its foot out of this conflict. Not in the Middle East in general. We have to remind remind ourselves it has troops in Syria uh, and other places. But as far as the Israel-Palestinian conflict is concerned, uh, it has kind of resisted the urge to intervene there. 
but surely there will be some kind of response. Very interesting, the United Nations Security Council has convened an emergency session in uh, in the past few hours. It'll be interesting to see what the Russian delegation says at that, what stance it takes on the war. Presumably it will condemn it. Uh, it will condemn the fighting. But it is very, very serious now. We have two major... Uh, major incidents happening, one in Europe, one in the Middle East. It's a world at war, effectively. We have these conflagrations popping up all over the place now, and it's really worrying. It's worrying for people people in the West, people here, for the people living in those territories. It's a really serious and dramatic situation. It's interesting, and of course, the the relationship between Palestine and uh, Israel has been trough-like over the years, you know, huge outbreaks, and then there's peace talks, and then there's... Um, you'd wonder, though, how, you know, they could look at peace at this point it, it you know, seems and, and like who would be the good broker in there yeah it seems like the prospect of a two-state solution and this is the solution whereby yeah. a, an, an independent palestine would coexist alongside of israel and most right-thinking people will believe yeah that most that, which yeah. most people have agreed yeah. to and most people have advocated including the irish government but that prospect seems further away than ever right now i think hamas have damaged themselves and damaged the credibility of the two-state solution by launching this attack israel is never going to agree to something like that at this point. Was there a little hyperbole in the uh, description by Israelis that this was their 9-11, this was their Pearl Harbour? Yeah, I listened to that this morning. I wondered myself. uh, They obviously feel that way and I suppose you have to remember that it's a time of high emotion, high adrenaline for a lot of these uh, Israeli military figures and a lot, of, a lot of the Israeli population. So maybe they will say things that maybe not may not be entirely accurate. I do I do detect a hint of hyperbole of exaggeration there uh, in that line. It's maybe not as severe, but it is one of the darkest days in Israeli history. There is no doubt about that. Over over a thousand killed now as a result of that. That figure is likely to rise, uh, and more the bloodshed will probably continue. Yeah, I I have to admit when I I read. About about it over the weekend, I got scared by it, you know, yeah. because you're right. When you look at it in conjunction with what's happening in Ukraine, the possibilities, you know, are just... Yeah, and we have, I suppose, the whole issue of nuclear weapons and now the Hamas is not armed with nuclear weapons, we should say that, but I mean, it brings this dynamic into it, it brings the... It's another conflict on, you know, in relatively close to Europe, relatively close to European shores, uh, the world is at war, as I've said, as I said previously. You know, different places, different hotspots, all right. Uh, but certainly, conflict is raging, and it's as intense and as violent as you might imagine. We we had it. You know, it was best seen in that music festival in Israel, in which yes. over two hundred and sixty were killed over the weekend. I mean, a devastating scenario. Party revelers enjoying a concert. Uh, Hamas forces. Yes. Launched their invasion and um, sprayed um, them with bullets. Par- paragliders and the paragliders, uh, and you know, an incredible. Again, I go back to the Israeli intelligence failure. Uh, I don't want to sound critical of the Israeli intelligence forces, but certainly it was a monumental failure, and it's very hard to conceive of how they failed yes, to spot or failed there, to detect a, anything. There's a fence, my understanding, going along that that border there, and that was infiltrated. Yeah, it was well, simply breached. Yeah. I mean, they simply drove bulldozers through it, which is astonishing when you think of it. When you think of the level of security, this is an Israel yeah. with an Iron Dome missile system, a missile system for detecting cruise missiles floating into the the skies, and yet it, it, it allowed Hamas to breach through this fence. There's so much uh, more that we had planned to talk about, but obviously this took precedence uh, the, this morning, Thomas. But in terms of what to watch out for, 
uh, in, in terms in of watch, watch out for, well, obviously, to keep an eye on this conflict. Yes. I mean, it is uh, it is going to dominate news headlines in the next week. More broadly, France has started pulling soldiers out of Niger in Africa. Emmanuel Macron's military drawdown in Africa's Sahel region continues. It has started to, to take troops. France had an operation in the Sahel region of Africa, operating widely there against jihadist forces. It has decided to withdraw those troops now, which is a little bit of a crawl back from a French perspective. It's worrying because it gives the these jihadist forces in Africa the lights of... Uh, Boko Haram and other Islamist organisations, it gives them increased sway in the region. So that is, uh, it's a hotbed of conflict anyway. It's another hotbed of conflict. Right. But that was part of the French Empire, wasn't it? It was part of the French Empire. French is heavily embroiled, embroiled in a lot of countries there, but it has started to draw back from it. So that's one to watch out for. Uh, we had the whole furore last week of uh, the US Congress and the ousting of Speaker Kevin McCarthy, yeah. which was a huge thing in itself. The withdrawal of Ukrainian aid in, in a US budgetary package, that was a major thing. Uh, and that would, I, I assume, be, be capturing the headlines if it weren't for the Israeli crisis. The fact that the US is lurching closer to, uh, to a government default, mm. essentially. Yes. Uh, and I presume because they're already talking about helping Israel with arms and the, the like now as, as well. So will that take as well from the Ukraine It certainly will. It certainly to, will. Yeah. And they've withdrawn aid from Ukraine. There's a lot of Republican Republican senators there, Republican congressmen who fundamentally agree disagree with the Ukrainian war yes. uh, and have voiced their opposition to that. And just finally, what's happening where Beijing is concerned and that fight with Brussels and uh, it's, it seems to be, what, EV? EV, this is electric vehicles. So yeah. this is a very interesting one, really. Beijing is squaring up for a, f- a big fight with Brussels over an electric vehicle probe, uh, which was launched. It takes aim after Beige- Brussels formally initiated a probe into its electric vehicle subsidies. It's effectively a, a commercial war on behalf of Beijing with the EU, uh, with European Union uh, forces. Uh, and it's very difficult to see how it will play out because it will damage the economic prospects of both nations uh, or, or both entities of both the EU and China. Uh, it's a very it's a it's it's a difficult situation for the EU and for Xi Jinping, and I would imagine it will continue for some time into the future. Thomas, always a pleasure, and thanks so much for putting all Cheers, that Fran. together for us this morning. Thank you. News and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.